What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Sports Kingdom Show. I am your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Scholar. I am joined by my co-host, Shelton's very own, Tyler Pacholke. Before we start the show, we appreciate you all so much for listening. Be sure to hit that subscribe or follow button wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom Show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Also, be sure to give us a five-star rating and review the show on whatever platform you are listening to us through. That really helps us out as well. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on all social media platforms and follow us as well at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pachulki. On this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show, we'll talk about if any of those potential scenarios we talked about last week actually took place during the NFL draft, how we thought the Rams and Seahawks did in the draft, as well as the major news surrounding Aaron Rodgers that broke right before the draft kicked off. We'll also discuss the state of the Lakers as they have seven games left in the regular season. Russell Westbrook averaging a triple-double for the fourth time in his career, and Carmelo Anthony reaching another milestone in his Hall of Fame career during this week's NBA 3 in the Key. All this and more on episode 193 of the Sports Kingdom show, coming up right now. What is up, everybody? Welcome to episode 193 of the Sports Kingdom Show. I'm your host, Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. Joining me as always... Shelton's very own Tyler Pachulke. What's up, TP? How you living, man? Man, I'm good. Started a new job, you know. So oh, there you go. There you a, go. That's that's always exciting, and um, yeah, man, the, the the draft was a lot of fun. So, uh, we're we're headed into the playoff stretch. Yes, and uh, congrats on the new job. A little peek behind the curtain. Tyler's back down in LA, and yep. uh, we are we are ecstatic about that. Now we just need to get him back in studio somehow once we once we start letting guests back in the building here at the radio station. But uh Yep, we'll make it happen. Yeah. Well we're making baby steps, baby steps. But like Tyler said, the draft was a success for some teams, a failure for most teams, and kind of a a non story for others. And we are on the the uh precipice of the NBA playoffs. And the regular season is almost done. So we got a lot to talk about. So before we talk about the NFL draft, I got to let you know that this episode of the Sports Kingdom Show is sponsored by Jay Diamond Estates. For all of your real estate needs here in the Los Angeles area, contact Jacob Diamond at 818-451-8539. Or you can check out his website, jdiamondestates.com, DRE number 02068311. About that action, boss. You play to win the game. Hello? You play to win the game. That's why we took the damn field. I'm just here so I won't get fired. Great cash, homie. But they are who we thought they were. And we let them off the hook. That's as good an effort as I've ever seen in my life from a running back. Don't you ever talk about me. Wilson. Toward the end zone. The hold is down. The kick clears the line. And Greg Sirline sends the Rams to the Super Bowl. Are you kidding me? Seattle's going to the Super Bowl. It's my quarterback. 
So, Tyler, we said last week that this draft is arguably one of the was one of the most talked about drafts heading into the draft last week uh, in recent memory. W- would you say that's correct, Tyler? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, I mean, we thought that there was going to be a lot of movement in terms of trades, uh, teams moving up, teams moving down. We thought players might slide. Some did, some didn't, some jumped. Uh, Other guys that we didn't uh, think was going to happen. But, Tyler, I don't – we were talking before we started recording, kind of figure out where we wanted to start, but I'm not really – I'm still not really sure where where do you think we should start because there there was a lot of stuff that happened on draft day at least for the first round and it didn't always necessarily have to do with the kids or the the young men that were about to be drafted yeah so um I mean I guess you start at the top first three okay so the Jaguars, they picked Trevor Lawrence as expected, and the Jets then took Zach Wilson like most people had come to think leading up to the draft. And then at three, at number three, the San Francisco 49ers were rumored to be linked to multiple different scenarios after trading for the number over number three overall pick before the draft. They ended up drafting Trey Lance out of North Dakota State University after the rumors up until the day before the draft were that the 49ers were set on Mac Jones. Mac Jones ends up getting picked 15th by the Patriots, and Justin Fields slipped uh, to the Bears at 13th. So those those were the, the main five quarterbacks that everybody had been talking about uh, leading up to the draft. And really all the talk was surrounding that that number three overall pick because once San Francisco made that pick, that was kind of the first domino to fall for everybody else. And that's that's kind of how uh, everybody was going to – like once San Francisco made their pick, everybody else was going to have to to strategize after that. And San Francisco ended up being rumored to – like I said, so many different scenarios. They were going to trade it. They were going to keep it. They were going to trade Jimmy Garoppolo. Um, there were rumors, uh, and this Tyler, I think was the major, major headline was that apparently the 49ers called the Packers about the possibility of a trade for the number three overall pick for Aaron Rodgers. Now, before we get to Aaron Rodgers, we, we talked about the, the five quarterbacks. What, what was your impression of, of all of that? Um, Jaguars, I thought nailed it. I think Jets were the big loser of the day. When Very it comes much to the so. Quarter. When it, but but I'm gonna I want to say that with an asterisk because I think they absolutely crushed their next three picks. So I, I I'm not a Zach Wilson guy. I, I think that he's poised to be the worst one of all these guys, especially in New York. So at the second pick, I think that was a loss. The third pick, Trey Lance, I actually. Think that that's much better than Mac Jones. I was rooting for them to take Mac Jones because I wanted the Niners to have a, 
a subpar quarterback. Uh, but Trey Lance has a huge upside. You just you just really don't know what you're gonna get. You know, it has it has Carson Wentz, Josh Allen kind of written all over it. Um, and then the next guy is the most important guy. Drafted at eleventh overall, Justin Fields. The Chicago Bears trade up. Oh, that's right. That's right. I forgot about that. that. They traded up from twenty, um, so they made a big jump up. Got got Justin Fields, who I think is. I thought it was thirteenth. Wait a second. Did I no, get that a, wrong? The, char- the Chargers are thirteenth. Why did I? I must have. Whatever. I must have wrote it down wrong. But Justin Fields to me is is going to be either the second best or the best quarterback out of this class. Um, I actually think uh, Denver, you know, Denver, I feel like has always been kind of searching for a quarterback, even though they signed Teddy Bridgewater, they have Drew Locke. I thought Denver had a real shot at taking Justin Fields. Anyways, he falls to the Bears. That's big time for the Bears. Like Huge. I think the Bears – like won the draft um, outside of maybe Jacksonville. Uh, the Bears dominated the draft. Mac Jones at 15 to the Patriots. I just, I'm not a huge Mac Jones guy. I think that if he went to almost any other team in the league, he, he probably would have fizzed out. Yeah. The the Patriots is interesting, but, you know, today he's not going to beat Cam Newton. And I don't know if tomorrow he's going to beat Jason Sidham. So, it was a good value pick for the Patriots because they dominated in uh, offseason free agents wise. So they've got two other quarterbacks on the on the roster. They had a third young guy. You know, he he could be their guy. I feel like it's a low risk, high reward pick. Yeah, I think it was. I think it was definitely a, a safe pick. But I mean, like you said, Tyler, if he if he was to go to any other team, I think he wouldn't have lasted maybe three years in the NFL. Yeah, that that's where I think he's his career is poised uh, to go. I, I I think he's headed in that direction. I, I hate to say that about a young football player, but in my mind, I just I don't see the I don't see like the perennial Pro Bowler consistent starter in a Zach Wilson or a Mac Jones. That's kind of what you're trying to draft at these positions. Right. And then real real quick before we move on to the you know the quarterback domino effect, I also think that um, Kyle Pitts to the Falcons, I love that pick because yep. they're not giving up on their guys. They're trying to win now, keep trying to get better. Um, I think so many teams hit the hit the blow up button too quickly, and I've even called for this button to be pushed with this Falcons team. <laughs> but at the same but at the same time, it's like. You know, Julio is a dominant player. Matt Ryan is one of the most prolific passers in the league in the last decade. Uh, Calvin Ridley is an up-and-coming star. They're just, I mean, they're so dangerous on offense now. Um, they're they're a good football team. You got to respect them as a football team, even though they're they've kind of been choke artists in the past. You know, maybe this gets them over the hump. Yeah, and now I think the clock starts on, on Atlanta till June 1st to see if they really do end up trading Julio Jones. But uh, drafting Kyle Pitts, I think... I, I feel like Kyle Pitts kind of indicates that they're not going to go that way. That, and that's what I was about to say is because I think who not, who better not to learn from than Julio Jones for Kyle Pitts? Yeah, very similar players, very similar Yeah, bodies. exactly. Um, you know, Kyle Pitts is going to play in the middle of the field. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. Yeah. So 
like Tyler said, the domino effect of, of where some of the, the quarterbacks fell and, and all the talk previously uh, heading into the draft, obviously the biggest story of the NFL draft had nothing to do with anyone that was potentially being drafted, and it had to do with Aaron Rodgers and the Green Bay Packers. And I'd argue now, Tyler, honestly, that the past two years in a row, the Packers and Rodgers have kind of stolen the show from from the NFL draft because of the the Packers trading into the first round to get Jordan Love and all of that and not getting him a weapon last season. That was a huge deal. And then now, obviously, with what happened with the 49ers calling Green Bay and offering the number three pick and Jimmy Garoppolo and a bunch of other stuff for Aaron Rodgers and the Packers saying no, there's – Definitely something going on in Green Bay between Aaron Rodgers and the front office. But what was also reported after the trade scenario was kind of what started, I think, all of the tension, the current tension between Rodgers and the Packers front office. And and the report was that the Packers and Rodgers had been in contract talks for a couple of weeks prior to the draft. And Rodgers came to the Packers and said, I want an extension. I want to stay in Green Bay. I, I love it here. All of that stuff. I want to be a Packer for life kind of thing. And I, I kind of have gotten that sense from him before all of this, just based off of his appearances on the Pat McAfee show and how much I pay attention to that show. It's he he loves Green Bay. And the Packers came back to him and said, well, we want to restructure instead of giving him an extension. And so that's, that's I think, where clearly there's a disconnect between the front office and, and Aaron Rodgers. And, and like I said, this kind of started last year when the Packers took Jordan Love, trading into the first round to get him. And I know Rodgers doesn't personally have a problem with Jordan Love, but it's just the fact that the draft pick wasn't used to get another weapon for Rodgers when there was clearly a need for one after that performance in the NFC Championship game against the San Francisco 49ers two years ago. But basically, all of this chaos between Aaron Rodgers and the Packers kept everyone on the edge of their seats during the draft because they thought that there was potential, like there was potentially going to be a team trading some serious capital for Aaron Rodgers. So what do you think now happens between Rodgers and the Packers, Tyler? Um... Yeah, this is, you know, this is dicey, man. There's a lot of different plays involved. I also think the Packers blew it in the first round of the draft this year when, you know, most people had Elijah, uh, Elijah Moore as their fourth best receiver. The first three go in the, the first three receivers go in the first 10 picks. So the number fourth guy was still on the board when, when they picked in the first round, they went corner. Yeah. So that that was like I, I just you know I just don't understand those moves by the Packers. But what I think is going to happen is Rodgers is going to end up playing for them. I think they're going to end up uh, similar kind of how I felt like Russell Russell what Wilson was going to come back to Seahawks. I just feel like that's what I was going to ask you. Is is it a similar situation? You think it's 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 a different situation because I think there's more of a there's more of a rift in the relationship than yeah. the Seattle one was. Um, well, there's definitely a rift in Green Bay. 
There's a there's definitely a rift in Green Bay. I just don't feel like you can get you can't get his value back. No. So I think almost every single trade scenario is a loss for them. Well, that's why the, the Packers said no to uh San Francisco's offer. Yeah, which was garbage. Like it's just it, I mean, there's no way you you make you turn San Francisco into a Super Bowl contender instantly uh, by doing that. And just about every other team in the league, uh, they can offer anything up for him. You know, he's just – he's a bona fide superstar. He's arguably the best player in football. So, uh, MVP last year. Um, so, I think he ends up playing for them. They – I don't see Rodgers sitting and playing hardball. I feel like because of the respect between the two parties, I feel like they're going to come to an agreement um, and get him on the field. I don't see him in another uniform. I would, if and if I was the Packers, I would tell him to retire before I would trade him. <laughs> well, there were, I, there are rumors I, that he might retire because of this and, and yeah. go host Jeopardy because he loved it so much. And, and that's a and that's a real threat. But I, if I'm the Packers, I'm not trading him to another team. Um, Definitely not I'm trading not, him to an NFC team. And I'm not gonna. Yeah. Well, I mean, just about. I mean. I saw Cleveland's package was like really good, but it's like, man, you give them to Cleveland, they're a Super Bowl can you know contender instantly, maybe even favorites. Um, so it's he changes, he he move the needle wherever he goes. Uh, so I'm just not giving him up. I would tell him to walk away if that's the case before I would trade him. Um, which I I again I just don't think it's going to happen. I think he ends up coming back. They work out something with the contracts. And, and he's a Green Bay Packer. Yeah, now, I mean, I just, I think... It is a risk, though, because obviously they might not get anything back for him. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. But I, I just don't see that as 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 the likely, you know, the likely scenario of him leaving the game of football because he's so disgruntled with the Packers. Although he did he did ask out, you know what I mean? So it's, it's a very real chance that... It, that they do something but if they trade them it's just going to be it's going to haunt them forever yeah no i mean listen it's it's interesting because the packers have found themselves in very similar scenarios time after time after time they had brett Favre, they draft aaron Rodgers, and now they have aaron Rodgers, and they drafted jordan love and they're trying i think to recreate what they did with Aaron and Brett when it came to the end of Brett's career and Aaron took over the team and then obviously went on to have the type of career he's had. But the Packers, I don't think, have ever done anything to really, like, help Rodgers, at least in the most recent times. They have not done as much as they could to put a Super Bowl winning team, like a, a a contending a Super Bowl contending team, out onto the field alongside Aaron Rodgers, who is argued arguably one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. Now, I want to pose the question, Tyler, because the Packers they are in one of the most interesting scenarios in all of really sports. Is they don't have a single like solitary owner. They're owned by the yeah. fans. Yep. Like, how critical is that in this scenario? Like, 
if Rodgers could go talk to the owner face-to-face, have some sort of sit-down meeting, like as if he were on the Cowboys and he he wanted to go have a meeting with Jerry Jones about this and hash all this out, that could happen. That can't happen with the Packers. That's why it was a tough play for him asking the, you know, the GM to be fired. No, Tyler, that, 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 that report's not true. He didn't ask for the GM to be fired. There you go. Because, I mean, who's he asking? Yeah. That's a good point. I mean, obviously, I think there's a there's got to be a director of football operations of some sort. Yeah, I mean, there's um, there's a board direct, that takes care of it. Of personnel, but... I don't know, but um, yeah, no, I mean, it, it is a weird situation, and it's a pretty unpredictable situation. Like, I just think that like Aaron Rodgers is so good that the Green Bay Packers will figure it out, but it's just as likely that he's either gone or host in jeopardy. I think all three options are are very real. Yeah, no, so so do I. I think that, and also I think the longer that this plays out, the more likelihood that we don't see Aaron yeah. Rodgers in which a, in a why, Green Bay Packer uniform again. Which is why you know during the draft it was a lot different. Now, now with the draft done, you know all the quarterbacks have kind of been swapped. We've had a a number of guys change teams everybody's kind of set in their quarterback room, you know, so you're going to have to find a team that's going to trade you their quarterback and a lot of other stuff. Could you imagine though, if they really did like trade him and then he goes out and wins a spite Super Bowl like Tom Brady did? He's that dude. <laughs> you know, he could do that. He could do that. He really, there's a lot he really of, could. There's a lot of football teams that he would turn into Super Bowl favorites you know overnight overnight i mean if he got to the if he got to the browns i mean if you did the simple just like baker for rogers like that browns team is like arguably the best team you know the best offensive football maybe the best team in football now there were also reports coming from mark schlereth that denver is heavily in on Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, Denver. What, what Denver would that look Fran- like? Denver and San Francisco got to be the best. But they don't have, you know, so they're like the best spot, landing spot, I think, you know, as far as Rodgers goes. But that's because they don't have a quarterback to offer. I mean, Garoppolo, I don't, Garoppolo and Drew Locke don't have enough. You'd have to send so, so, you know, so much. I, I would be asking, you know, Joey Bosa's got to be in that mix. Bradley Chubb's got to be in that mix. You know, your draft pick this year's got to be in that mix. Your your next two or three first rounders, it, it would just take so much for them uh, to get that going uh, that I think it's like unrealistic. At, at a certain point, San Francisco and Denver got to be like, man, like we want Rodgers, but I don't know if we can trade up our whole pat, you know, future and pre. Uh, future and present Tyler you know what I say to that Mm. we'll worry about that down the road I want Aaron Rodgers on my team I make that deal I try and get it done any way possible but if the Green Bay Packers are offering or are asking too much um, which Aaron Rodgers is gonna cost too much you know I just think it gets it gets too sticky and teams walk away when they start seeing multiple players multiple talented players, three or four draft picks, 
like a three-team deal might be the best way. I saw some some breakdowns where it was a three-team deal to where the Packers ended up with four first-rounders. Jeez. And three-team yeah, three deals in the NFL are very rare. It was it was like two two of Miami's number ones and two of Pittsburgh's number ones. And Tua goes to Pittsburgh. And, and uh, yeah, was that it? And Rodgers goes to Miami. Wow, yeah. And the and the Packers get four first rounders, and like a couple and a couple players, probably from both Pittsburgh and Miami. Yep. So I mean, this is all like skept, you know, speculation. Kind of all, yeah. Well, it's just, I think it's kind of far off. Yeah, know? I don't. I, just, I don't think that. I don't think it's Pittsburgh good. and Miami are teams that would be in a in the Aaron Rodgers trade like party scenario. Well, and like if the quarterback you're getting is is someone you don't believe in as much as Jordan Love, like I mean Drew Locke and Garoppolo, they may like Jordan Love. Like, why the fuck would we take these guys? Yeah. Well, yeah, no, there's clearly a reason why they drafted Jordan Love. I mean, they traded into the first round to get him. Yeah, I mean, so they're obviously a team that's kind of focused on their future and setting things up, you know, later down the road. Uh, so, you know, I don't know. It, you know, that I can such see a, I, This I was can such a curveball, Tyler. This was such a curveball. Nobody was expecting this on draft day. Yeah, but I think it, it, it is. it was a curveball, and it is crazy because, you know, the packages they're going to be offered are insane, but – at the end of the day, I just think Rodgers is too good. It's too hard to move those kind of players. Yeah, and ultimately, the, the Packers are probably just going to keep saying no because why would not, you trade Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, you're not going to be a Super Bowl contender without Rodgers. Exactly. So why, so why go out there and make somebody a Super Bowl contender? Yeah. And you don't know, you know, if he's playing like, you know, if he has Tom's career, he's got another five years in him. Yeah. No, I mean, I definitely think he's got another five years, six years in him. So I mean, he uh, just won think, MVP. Yeah, I see. I see. I see Aaron in the in, in the Green Bay Uni next year. We will see. We will see. But all right, real quick. Uh, I just I wanted to circle back to Justin Fields real quick. Just I I forgot to say it while we were talking about him, but uh, I just think that that pick Tyler, Matt Nagy and Ryan Pace gave themselves a second life in Chicago with that pick and I mean Andy Dalton I think he, he's going to be a pretty good mentor for Fields so it the Bears they they crushed it with that pick yeah Justin Fields is a stud I think he's a true talent um you know I think that the New York Jets got caught in the moment uh, went with kind of the hot the hot new thing um and and you know if you look at the last half a year 10 months Maybe Zach Wilson's played better, but if you look at the last four years, it's not even close. No, you know Justin Fields' body of work is is so much more dominant than 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 Wilson and and, and uh, Trey Lance for that matter. I think Trey Lance has played like seventeen college football games and against much lower competition. So you know, I do think Trey Lance has a bigger upside. So I'm, I'm not going to bash it as much as I'm not trying as, to bash it. I'm just being real. I would still have taken Justin Fields obviously 100%. over over him, but I'm not going to be as critical of that pick because 
he does have some potential to be a big time player. I think he does. There is like kind of like a very like, whoa, you know, like this kid's got some freaky ability. He's a big kid. He's young. I don't think he ever lost in college football either. Um, I think they said the last time he lost the game was in high school in like 2017. Who, which one? Sorry. I was Trey Lance. Lance. Yeah, no, I don't, he hasn't. So, you know, there's a lot of interesting things with him, but uh, ultimately I think Justin Fields is going to be the guy. If not, you know, obviously Trevor Lawrence is there too. So uh, him or Trevor or both of them are going to be really good players. Yeah. And the bear, I mean, and he got a much better team to start with than than Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Much better team now. All right. Let's uh, switch gears to the hometown head headlines. Obviously, Tyler, the Rams and Seahawks, they had their fair share of picks. Did the Seahawks end up getting more than those three picks, Tyler? No, they moved around a little bit. They kind of they went up to like four picks and then back down to three picks. Um, so in the John and P era, they've averaged nine and a half, nine and a half picks a draft. This year they go with the franchise low of only three picks. Um, our first and our third was for Jamal Adams. Our fifth round was for Raiders guard Gabe Jackson, and our seventh rounder was for Carlos Dunlap. So um, ultimately, I think all four of those picks were spent really well, uh, and and so I'm happy with the draft. <laughs> so, so did do you think they the Seahawks addressed the needs we we talked about last week? Well, they did address the they they drafted wide receiver, corner, tackle. So. Um, they did pick up a lineman, which I did say center, but I think, you know, they got a lineman. I did say corner. They got the corner. Uh, wide receiver with the second pick or with their very first pick, second round pick. Uh, I thought that was weird. You know, I, I think that we have top end talent with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf. I feel like you could have got a depth guy later on in the draft and, and took, you know, that lineman or that corner earlier. Um, so I was a little weird by the position, but I also just, I have so much blind faith in John and Pete. They know what they're <laughs> doing. Um, that's why, that's why they are who they are. And there's our sixth round pick the tackle was actually a guy that, um, a lot of people said was a big time slip. He was a huge value pick. ESPN had him as a top 10 value pick for the third day. So rounds four, five, six, and seven, they said he was a top 10 pick. Um, Stone Forsyth from Florida, that's his name. Um, sixth round pick, and, and people are, are pretty happy with him. So ultimately, I think we did we did okay. Well, me on the other hand, Tyler, I was paying attention to the Rams draft, and well, they, they started with six picks. They ended up with nine after after trading three times during the draft. And I can run through the names real quick if you want me to they got uh their first overall pick in the draft uh, was actually in the second round uh they didn't have a first round pick that was obviously spent on Jalen Ramsey and like Tyler I think that was a, a very well spent draft pick so um their second round pick was wide receiver Tutu Atwell from Louisville he's like a 5'9 under 160 speedster uh, and then their third round pick, they have uh, they picked linebacker Ernest Jones out of Southern, uh, South Carolina. They had three fourth round picks where they went D tackle, cornerback, 
and then wide receiver tight end. Uh, the D tackle is Bobby Brown the third from Texas A&M. The cornerback Robert Rochelle from Central Arkansas, and then the wide receiver tight end Jacob Harris from University of Central Florida. They had one fifth round pick, and they drafted Ernest Brown the fourth out of Northwestern. I've never seen uh, two guys drafted to the same team with the same name Ernest, and they spell it differently. Uh, Ernest Jones, the linebacker, the third-round pick, spells it E-R-N-E-S-T. And then the fifth-round pick, Ernest uh, from Northwestern, he spells it E-A-R-N-E-S-T. So I thought that was kind of kind of a funky. There are no, there are no Ernest P. Worrell, though. <laughs> no. If you know, do you know who that is? No, I don't. Like, Ernest goes to camp. Ernest goes to the military. Ernest. Um, is this a nursery goes- rhyme? Ernest goes to jail. No, these are kids' movies from the nineties, my boy. Not, Tyler, I was born in ninety four. I'm. I was. I was... And, uh, Ernest. Ernest was the man. <laughs> That's like the only thing I can ever think of when I <laughs> when I hear that. Well, uh, I guess I just missed it. Keep keep rolling though. All I got, right, <laughs> I got some comments on this one. Well, trust me, Tyler. So do I. <laughs> um. Then they they rounded out uh three seventh round picks. They went running back another wide receiver tight end and a defensive end the running back jake funk from maryland wide receiver tight end ben skaronic from notre dame and then defensive end chris garrett from concordia st paul oh tyler where do i begin i think you're i think you're being too harsh you think i'm being too harsh i do i think i think you got i think you guys did a lot better then you think first of all nine well, picks hold on nine hold picks. on yes nine picks that's great there's so someone in that four to seven round is going to be an, a, a stud you know like, realistically realistically the, 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 okay then, yes the odds are you, that they, they probably addressed, found a, you, a gem in somewhere in there you, you addressed your running their uh run defensive needs you got you got two linebackers a defensive end and a defensive tackle so that's four front seven players. That's pretty good, right? And, right? and I know that, like, I know that the wide receiver, because similar to me, I think that, you know, where they took the wide receiver in the second round. Right, was, because the Seahawks took a wide receiver, literally the pick before the Rams. That was kind of interesting. Yes. So, yeah, neither. So that's like, I, I kind of have the same feeling with the Seahawks pick. Like, I can kind of see the frustration there. Although the Rams are so um, dependent on that three wide receiver set, they need talent there. Well, they cuts have had injuries. Yeah. Cuts had injuries. Robert Woods is not getting any younger. And Deshaun Jackson but, isn't either. And Deshaun Jackson. And, but don't and say Robert Woods is old. He's he's in the prime of his career. He may be in the prime, but he's what well, he. I'm not going to say he's not a, in his prime, but he's he's not he's not at the beginning of his prime. If anything, he's, he's in his early 30s as a wide receiver. So, okay, that's regard that that's beside the Robert point. Woods you is know, 29. Like, Tyler, he's 29. All right, there we go. So, okay, unfair unfair criticism. He's 29, so he's in the in the prime of his career. Cup and Woods are going to be those guys, um, but you do have to start thinking about the future. Finding finding that third guy, maybe Deshaun's not it. Well, Van Jefferson, Tyler, they Van Jefferson had a very great rookie. He had a great great rookie campaign. 
So they, but they, you know, those position is really important to the Rams. So they may be looking for, well, and know, a boom guy, and they may not be that happy with Van Jefferson. Who well, and apparently Tutu Atwell at Louisville, he was apparently a demon in the jet sweep and the Rams love that with Sean McVay. Okay. So boom, that's a, that, that's, I didn't know that. That's a big, that is a huge part of the offense. So yes, it if is. You, if you got a new player doing that, not Robert Woods, that's, that's a big time get. I was the fourth round wide receiver is a, like a special teams all-star. Yeah. And he's, so and he, he's, he's a like bigger a guy. He, he could play tight end too. So they, they might use racked, him in some blocking scenarios. And he racked up tackles in, in college. He's a wide receiver. Yeah. So, um, and then, like, obviously, seventh round, you, you never know what that those kind of guys are. Uh, who knows if he even makes the team. But I think that, for the most part, you guys addressed the, address the big need, which was run defense. And the picks that, you know, you're kind of scratching your head with three wide receivers – at least that's like your most important position outside of quarterback, and you got your quarterback. So I understand that, Tyler. If 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 one of if that fourth rounder makes the team and he's a special teamer, the second rounder, if he's the third or the first kind of rotational wide receiver, those are wins, you know, at that position in the draft. Uh, yeah, I I get all of that. I guess why I'm just so skeptical of this. Not not the specific draft class, but the draft strategy that the Rams took and the approach that they took to this draft, I was expecting a very different approach. Not a single offensive lineman was taken by the Rams, and I think that was one of their biggest needs heading into the draft. And I think – I here's the thing. In football and really in, in all of sports, you have – two schools of thought when it comes to drafting and that's drafting for need or drafting best available talent. And I think the Rams went the best available talent approach this season. And I was just expecting a completely different approach. Yeah. I mean, obviously not picking any lineman is always kind of a head scratcher when you have nine picks for any football team. But it's clearly it, that was clearly a strategy. I, I think there there may have had, they may have had a couple linemen on their draft board, but if they weren't in the right place, they weren't taking them. Um, it seems like it, it is a weird strategy, but it seems like they were they went purely at the front seven in the passing game, and um, you know that may be kind of kind of weird, but I still like it. I like the, and I like quantity. Um, quantity in drafts is always good. It, I mean, the quantity, uh, the quantity, and the amount of picks that that definitely is a positive because it gives uh, gives them a chance to to have some success. I think in terms of turnover rate and how many dra- how many of these draft picks actually end up making the final roster come the end of training camp. But as we've also seen during the NFL and the COVID effects the these end of the roster type guys aren't getting the same opportunities anymore so they might not make the team and well and and with linemen you never know maybe they feel more comfortable with the free agent pickups um you know getting veteran guys in there with the more physical positions who knows who knows what their strategy is with the offensive line or maybe they think stafford will 
fix a lot of that. Um, well, Stafford can't protect himself. No, but he gets rid of the ball quickly, um, and he makes decisions quickly, which are, are that's one that's one form of protection, I guess. The and it and it's a good one. I mean, he, it could really get you a long ways. Um, now, offensive line could come to bite you in the ass, but we'll have to see how that plays out. I guess. Yeah. No, we definitely we definitely will. But all right, you got any final thoughts on the 2021 NFL draft, Tyler? No. Uh, you know, I I just the Jets the Jets are the weirdest team to me because I think they just crushed the those those next three picks. They did what they should have been doing for all their quarterbacks. Uh, they they were drafted support, and, and now their support is the wrong guy. I guess this guy really that much better than Sam Darnold. He know? looked forget what he looked like on on the football field in his. Some of his pictures on draft day, he looked twelve. I I wasn't even sure if he could legally be drafted. Yeah, it's it's not a. <laughs> I I don't think it's going to work out. We will see. I hate, to, I hate to put that on a kid so so early in the game, but I just don't see it. Well, and we were we were talking kind of before we started recording, and and I said it's like, it, even when it comes to the Ra- the Rams, it's like it's hard for me to even really draft uh, like not grade this draft class, but like really analyze and, and predict how these guys are going to do because they haven't played a down of NFL football. It's like the NFL is a completely different game than college. And once we see them on the field, that's really when you can make these judgments of, of what these picks are. So we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. And then we can, judge these picks on a more solid yeah. basis and there's a lot of good stuff that went down um and, and not so many head scratchers uh, but it, it'll be intriguing to see what happened yep but all right let's uh let's hit nba three in the key come on you're getting paid ask something three seconds at mid-court final seconds Bryant for the win did i miss anything while i was gone take this and you burn it. Job's not finished. Job finished? I don't think so. So when you get done with this, you should be butt-ass naked. Once again, Tyler, we are going to combine the Lake Show Lowdown with NBA 3 in the Key here in this first 3 in the Key topic. And I guess we can call this first topic I guess the state of the Lakers because that's that's what we're going to talk about because they are excuse me they are 37 and 28 they are currently sixth in the Western Conference their next game is tomorrow Thursday night against the Los Angeles Clippers it is technically a Clippers home game the Lakers they have seven games left in the regular season they have to play these games in or these seven games in 11 days and there are three sets of back-to-backs in this seven game stretch in 11 days so six out of these seven games are are back-to-backs 
and they got to play seven games in 11 days. I know you're probably thinking I'm trying to make excuses for them, but it's just the reality uh, of what it is, and I'm trying to, to lay out the, the scenario as best I can. There's also the news that came out uh, a couple of days ago before their game against the Denver Nuggets on Monday that Dennis Schroeder is in the health and safety protocols and he realistically won't be able to play a game probably until the start of the playoffs. Uh, He might be able to sneak in uh, one or two regular season games at the end, depending on when the clock started of when he entered the health and safety protocols. It's all uh, technical and stuff with the league of when they got the results or contract tracing or whatever. It's not even known for sure if he's positive or not there. There are assumptions that he did test positive because the report came out saying he is for sure missing at least 10 to 14 days. So we'll see what happens with that. But in the meantime, let's rewind to last Friday night because last Wednesday, Tyler, when we recorded, I kind of tried to call my shot again with when LeBron was going to be making his return. And he made his return, I think, earlier than most people thought. And at least for me personally, I thought he wasn't going to return last Friday against the Kings. Um, I thought they were maybe going to wait one or two more games. The Lakers, they went on to lose to the Kings 110-106 in a game where they led by 10 points heading into the fourth quarter, and the Kings were without De'Aaron Fox and Harrison Barnes. LeBron James had 16 points, 8 rebounds, and 7 assists in 32 minutes in his return to action, but it was clear that he had been playing his first game after missing, I believe it was six weeks, with a high ankle sprain. And I don't even want to talk about that loss to the Kings because it was so frustrating with the Lakers being up 10 heading into the fourth quarter, and then they lose by four. It was very hard to watch. And then on um, the next game the Lakers had against the Tampa Bay-Toronto Raptors, uh, since they're playing in Tampa Bay this year, since Canada kicked them out. And they're averaging a win. They're in 11th place. They've got a, they've got a positive plus minus. Hey, that's pretty interesting. They're, I feel bad for those guys. They're, they've been through a lot this year. But – They ended up beating the Lakers 121 to 114. Pascal Siakam and Kyle Lowry combined for 76 points alone in that game. They went off against the Lakers. Uh, LeBron left the game early after experiencing some discomfort with his ankle. Um, And the Lakers, they, they were able to hold the Raptors to a total of 47 second half points after lighting the Lakers up for 40 points alone in the second quarter so that Nuggets game it was no bueno and then obviously with LeBron um, not being able to finish the game they there's a lot of now concern um, with LeBron's ankle he missed the game against the Nuggets which the Lakers got a much needed victory by the score of 93 to 89, snapping Denver's five game win streak. But Anthony Davis also undoubtedly looked the best 
that he has since returning from his injury. Uh, but LeBron, he missed that game against the Nuggets. He's going to miss this upcoming back-to-back against the Clippers and the Trailblazers. And that Trailblazers game is a very critical game. It's it's for the tiebreaker between the Lakers and the Blazers. And that, that could come into play potentially depending on how these last seven games go and where the Lakers stand in terms of the playing game or if they're the sixth seed. But Braun is now going to have even less time to ramp up before the playoffs. And um, Tyler, he said in his uh, some press availability after being hurt that he he's never going to be 100% ever again in his career. And I think a lot of people were kind of shocked by that. But as soon as I saw it, I was like, that's probably one of the most clickbaity headlines I've ever seen. Because, of course, LeBron James is never going to be 100% the rest of his career. He's in year 18, and he's 36 years old. He's been playing ba- like he's been playing NBA basketball since he was 18 years old. The, the wear and tear on his body, no shit he's not going to be 100% the rest of his career, especially after such a devastating high ankle sprain like the one that he had. So how big of a deal do you think this really is, Tyler, that LeBron is missing – the game against Denver and now this upcoming back-to-back against the Clippers and Blazers. And who knows, do we even see LeBron the rest of the regular season before the playoffs? I'm thinking they, they get one or two games in him at the, at the end of the season, but you never know. They are being very cautious with this, uh, with this injury with LeBron. And, and we clearly saw that with him not coming back into the game against the Raptors and, and really not seeing him on the court since. Yeah, so there's a lot to unpack there. <laughs> uh, LeBron, I mean, it makes sense with his comment about 100%. I'm with you there. Obviously, he's not. Um, but that doesn't really matter. He's still, you know, the best possible player in the world. I think that he, he will play before the playoffs. It does hurt the the, the Lakers, you know, not getting this time. Uh, they they are good enough to make a run still, but I mean I hit the panic button pretty hard like when both those guys went down and uh, you know I said basically the role players need to keep this team afloat and they kind of did, um, and now now that they're kind of transitioning and, and brought back now it's kind of seemed to gone bad. And, yeah, you know it it, it went well. It's a well. it's a whole new team. AD and LeBron are had to come back to a different team than than what they had yeah, so previously I'm, played I'm, with. So I'm definitely in the panic mode for Lakers still. Um, them going like 500 basketball without Braun and AD kind of made me feel a little bit better. Um, I thought that that would uh, – I thought that that would allow them to stay in the top six, but it's looking like they're going to fall out – they're going to fall into the playing scenario in my mind. You know, with no Schroeder, uh, with Braun being out, um, it's uh, it's going to be tough for them to to kind of close this season out strong, especially because Portland and Dallas are right there too. Yeah, I mean Portland is a half game behind uh, the Lakers for the sixth seed. Uh, the the Lakers they're thirty seven and twenty eight. Portland's thirty seven and twenty nine, and then Dallas is also thirty seven and twenty eight. But because the Lakers lost those two games to Dallas uh, two weeks ago, I believe it was now. Dallas has the tiebreaker, so they're in the fifth spot. 
Yep. And, you know, as the playoffs starts today, the Lakers will be playing the Clippers uh, in and, the first I mean, round. And I don't think either the Clippers nor the Lakers want that right now. Yeah, uh, probably not. Um, I'm sure the Clippers would want it a little more because they don't really care what round they're, you know, they're just trying to, they're just trying to advance in any way possible, but it's not looking good for the Lake show. I do still believe that they've got the talent to make the run and I would still pick them as my favorite to get out of the West, but they're going to really have that first, that first round playoff series. They're really going to have to bring it. Yeah. They better hope. They better hope they're not in the playing scenario. Yeah, and I mean LeBron had has had his own comments about the play-in scenario, and I mean everyone made a big deal about that as well. But I mean, I think it's another overreaction. It's I agree because he's because he said it. He's talking about the structure of the of the play-in tournament, similar to what we talked about when we broke down the the play-in tournament. It's not that people are opposed to getting more teams into the playoffs because ultimately. They wanted to do this because the Western Conference was ten deep, Eastern Conference was like six deep. Um, right, but it's, it's just it's, the way it's the way they did it. The one game, the one game series, which is the thing I have a problem with, is is that's what really what he's he's pissed about. Well, because and and really, it's it's it turns the conversation into what's the point of the regular season if I have this record at the end of the season where. I so, I'm solidified in the seven or eight seed, and that's traditionally what the the marker is for the playoffs with the eight seed at least. And it's like if I have the that requisite record at the end of the season to qualify for the eight seed, and then I got to play in this playing tournament, and if I potentially lose, I'm out. What was the point of playing eighty two games or seventy seventy two games in this season's case? Like, well, the, the point the the point was is to get you know the best standings possible put your team in the best position um but it's just the one game scenario it was it like if these were three game series or five game series it'd be something that made maybe a little more sense uh but then you run into how like how many games these guys are playing um it's just not it's just not right yet i don't necessarily know what the magical answer is uh but this ain't it i mean the traditionalist in it, me is it, saying it, the right answer is to get rid of this stupid playing tournament and you, just keep it back to how it was. You should definitely not be able to be the seventh seed, lose two games and be out of the playoffs. Um, you know, or the, or the eighth seed for that matter. Yeah, exactly. So it's dumb. It is dumb. Um, I mean, I, I'm definitely someone that doesn't, I don't think this is the right way to do it. Uh, if, it, I think that there's better options than this, and, and it's probably not going to go well. <laughs> yeah. One of these NBA teams is going to get screwed. Well, that that's enough about the playing tournament because I don't even want to put that energy out there for, for the Lakers. Um, I want to talk about Marc Gasol, Tyler, because he has had such an interesting story with the Lakers this season. Everybody was ecstatic when he signed. He was the starting center. Everything was going great at the start of the season. And then at uh, whatever point it was, I think it was Valentine's Day, AD goes down. And then a couple of weeks later, LeBron goes down. The Lakers end up signing Andre Drummond on the buyout market. 
and then Marcus all finds himself on the bench with a couple of DNPs even. And so my thing is, and if this wasn't clear to anybody before, if you didn't watch that Denver game, go back and watch it. Marcus all needs to be playing for this team. He is so integral to this team for his basketball IQ, his passing, his defense. It's unbelievable. I mean, Drummond was awful against Denver and against uh, Jokic. But when Marcus All came in, almost immediately it seemed like the Lakers went on a run. And I know Drummond got in foul trouble, and that's ultimately, I think, what forced Frank Vogel's hand in putting uh, Marcus All out there. But it, it, they just, it seems like ever since Drummond has been on the team, the story around the Lakers, aside from the injuries, is what's going on with that center rotation. So what, what do you think needs to happen, Tyler, to where we see some sort of consistency with the center rotation? But I don't know if we're ever going to see that consistency based on how we know Frank Vogel as a coach and what we yeah, well, saw, from, saw from him in the playoffs last year. Oh, you don't necessarily want to. This is a pretty good problem to have. If anything, the Lakers, this is their best problem. You know, like they've got too many productive guys, which now I just think it's, it's not going to, it's never going to be consistent um, in the sense that like different matchups are going to play out differently. Drummond's going to be the starter. Montrez is going to be the guy off the bench. Um, Gasol is going to be the the opportunistic matchup guy. He comes in when there's foul trouble. He comes in to play against the the Jokic's, the Porzingis's, um, the Aitens, you know, the offensive guys. And then, you know, when we play Rudy Gobert or Zubak or, you know, these more defensive, these more defensive-minded centers, you're going to have Drummond out there. Um, it's it's going to be able to, he, you're lucky in the sense that Marcus Saul's a pro. He's going to be able to come in whenever, guard whoever, do whatever you ask him to do. And he's also going to be able to sit down for an entire game because Drummond's going to have some big games. Montrez is going to get his I'm minutes. still waiting on Drummond to have a big game because, I mean, he's he's looked good in very small batches, but there's a lot wrong with him, man. Well, he's just, he's just getting here. I mean, he hasn't played a ton of basketball. He's getting, you know, he probably wasn't in shape when he got there originally. Well, and he hasn't been able to play with AD and, and Braun. That and that's, much. yeah, that's what I was going to say to his defense. The whole main reason he was brought here was to play alongside AD and LeBron, and he hasn't and really gotten role, that chance. His role is going to be defensive rebounding. So um, it's kind of hard to judge that right now. What's for the playoffs? They're going to have a center for every guy. I mean, every single center that's in the Western Conference playoffs, when they're in the game, the first string or the second string center of every single team, they're going to have one of those three guys matches up. Yeah. They're going to know before every game starts, when he comes in, we're putting him in. When he comes in, when when Porzingis goes to center, let's have Gasol on him. Um, when, you know, when Jokic is out there, Gasol's out there, outside of, like, the start of the game. It, you know, they'll have – when Serge Ibaka's out there, we'll put Trez out there. 
it's they're going to have all sorts of different matchups, and I think that's where the luxury comes from. And it's only a luxury because, like I said earlier, Marcus Saul's a pro. Like if Marcus Saul has any sort of ego or want, uh, individual want, um, it doesn't work. But because Saul can, he can sit a whole half, he can sit a quarter, he can sit a whole game, and then you know that very next quarter, that very next half, that very next game, he can show up and play for you big time. Um, that's not easy to get, and it and it makes. And it, it allows you to appease Drummond as a starter, appease Trez as that sixth man. Um, yeah. So, and I to to all of that point, I think I think you you hit the nail right on the head. Is um, the guys uh, with the Laker Film Room podcast that that I mentioned uh, a couple of weeks, maybe a month or so ago? Um, Mike Trudell, the Laker sideline reporter, is a part of that podcast, and he he said that he thinks. And this is pure speculation on his part. He doesn't know for sure, but being so close to the team, he has to put it out there that it's speculation. Um, he thinks that the whole reason why Gasol went to the bench when Drummond was signed was because Frank Vogel was thinking long-term and potentially how it could affect like Trez's mental state, and you could have possibly lost – Trez, like if he got benched for a game because of Drummond coming in, like you could have lost Trez for the season mentally, and that could have completely derailed the the season. And why he chose Gasol was because he knew Gasol could handle that type of scenario. And I think Tyler, you hit it right, like the nail on the head too, with with Gasol and being the professional that he is. I mean, Andre Drummond said that Marcus All has been one of the guys in his ear the most about trying to help him get acclimated to the team. So, and well, I mean, he's, he's a veteran. I mean, this is yeah. not a spring chicken. This kid's been in the league for what? 16, 16 seasons or something like something that. Like that. Um, he's in the twilight of his career. So uh, I feel like he, he's lucky and the Lakers are lucky to have him. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, listen, Frank Vogel, I, I, I think a lot of like fans in the moment are are always questioning the coach's decision, but we got to remember that Frank Vogel is a big reason why this team won a championship last last season. His decisions to sit JaVale, sit Dwight Howard, play Markeith Morris and do all of that roster like flipping when it came to specific matchups in series in the postseason, it's like he plays his cards very close to his vest when it comes to lineups. And we haven't even seen a Mark Gasol and Montrezl Harrell lineup out there on the court. And that was something that I think a lot of Laker fans were expecting to see at the start of the season when these acquisitions came aboard in free agency we haven't even seen that. Do we see it potentially in the postseason? I don't know, but I doubt it. Yeah, Frank. I mean, Frank Vogel. He he doesn't like putting things there's, on film for other teams to see. But in my opinion, it's like if you're not putting it on film to see, you're also not seeing it. So why why not give yeah. a, a Gasol? Well, and my, my issue with a, that, why you're never going to see that, is like you're never going to sit all those forwards. Yeah, I mean, you got to have somebody else at power forward other than one of those guys. Well, and 
and power forward you got isn't and, power you got forward and, isn't you got Trez's LeBron, natural you position. Got Kuz, you got Morris, you know. What's that? Uh power forward isn't Trez's natural position either. No, that's what I mean. It's like you're not gonna play two centers for the sake of you know, playing two centers when you have five options at power forward, you know. Yeah. It's I just I think it was uh an idea a lot of Lakers fans had in their head when the signings were made. Just, yeah, and I think it's easy to go there because Trez is shorter. So you want to think like, oh well this guy can play the four. Well and Trez the center. And Trez but can he's play. a center. I mean he's more of a center than Gasol is. Gasol for is sure. damn near a, a point guard at this point in his career. I mean, Gasol might have to play point guard tomorrow night for the Lakers against the Clippers because Dennis Schroeder's out, LeBron's out. Alex Caruso is probably going to start at point guard, and now THT, Taylor Horton Tucker, he's questionable tomorrow night. So Gasol might have to play point guard tomorrow night, and and he'll be and he'll be great. <laughs> <laughs> but all right, um, so you mentioned Tyler that you're panicking, kind of like a bit with I, the Lakers. I would panic if I was the Lakers. I think that. So scale of one to I, ten, where are you at? I, Man, I would say, well, just because it's the Lakers, it's got to be at like an eight right now. Oh, okay. Well, because I mean, you're 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 we're the Lakers, right? We're we're we if 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 we're not like looking like we're gonna win the title, we're panicking. Yeah, and, and uh, as yeah. of right this point, there there are teams that aren't as good as them that are playing better. Teams like Phoenix. Uh, teams like Utah, teams like Milwaukee and Philly. Those teams aren't as good as Lakers, but they're playing better right now. And then you got a team like the Nets, dare I say, maybe the Clippers that do have that talent. You know what I mean? So it's like it, there's a lot of there's a lot of scary things out there for the Lakers right now. They got to wrap it up real quick. And really, if I'm not feeling good outside of the first round, I think you'll know if the Lakers are going to win the title by then. Yeah, that, you know well, if, they, if they're, they're rolling they're in the first by round, then too. if they're rolling in the first round, it's all gravy. You know what I mean? All this is for not all this panic, all this hearsay. It doesn't matter if the Lakers are rolling in the first round. They're probably going to go the finals, and, and they got to get shut at winning. But if the Lakers come out slow that first round, then the panic meter goes up even a little more. I guess I would have to say I'm probably at about. When, when they got injured, I said panic level ten. <laughs> yeah, and, and I said that they were. So you've de- and, you've you've decreased your panic. I decreased my panic because the 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 Lakers role players put together a good month, um, and so they brought a it good back two down, months. Um, and now now it's right back up where it was. All right, Close. I guess I guess I'll have to say I'm I'm probably about a a 7.7 in terms of my panic meter just because I just still think if this team is 100% healthy there's nobody stopping this team yes. and while and you're right but they're not healthy exactly and so there's definitely a level of panic um I, I guess I've kind of been in denial about it especially leading up to uh the last two weeks well, because, you know, being in denial was easier because you're like, well, when AD and Braun get back. Right, but now like, we see what Braun and AD look like. And 
it don't get me wrong ad has looked better with each game he has been out there he had his best game since coming back against denver um now we just got to wait and see about lebron but the lakers they just need to play with the same sense of urgency that they did against denver the rest of the regular season and i think that they will find themselves not in that play-in scenario um because if they find that selves find themselves in that playing scenario Tyler I don't know what I'm going to do with myself it's going to be scary to be in that playing scenario as the Lakers yeah, I mean, sure. it's going to be scary for their opponent too because they realistically well, of know course. no I mean you don't want to play the Lakers in the playing tournament but at the same time it's like you don't got to beat them four times you only got to beat them once yeah. and any team in the NBA can beat somebody once yeah it's and if that's the thing it's like with any one game sort of playoff or tournament or anything like that, just a single elimination, it's not always that the best team wins. But in a seven-game series, 9.99999 times out of 10, the yeah. best team wins. One game is, is essentially a seventh game. And you know what they say about seventh games. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. But so. All right, let's uh let's wrap this up here in three in the key with uh, our last two topics, and I'm gonna I'm gonna kind of combine them um, since we're we're kind of basically doing the same thing, and and realistically we're just giving these guys their flowers because they they deserve it, and um, not a lot of people have given these guys their flowers uh, while they're here, and I I think that Tyler and I, I it's, it's safe to say that we both think. It's important to give both of these guys their flowers while they're still here and still active in the NBA. And of course, first off, I'm talking about Russell Westbrook becoming the only player with multiple 20 assists and 20 rebound games in NBA history. Uh, Wilt Chamberlain is the only other player with one game like that. Um, so that's always cool when you pass Wilt Chamberlain in any sort of statistical category. But that happened in a win over the Pacers for the the Washington Wizards by the score of 154 to 141 on Monday night. Westbrook had 14 points to go along with his career high, 21 rebounds and career high tying, 24 assists for his league leading 32nd triple double of the season. He has 178 triple doubles uh, so far for his career. That is three short of Oscar Robertson's career record and Washington has, I believe six games left in their season. Now, did they win tonight? E no, they lost by one to the Milwaukee bucks. Did Westbrook get a triple double? Yes, he did. So he now has 179 triple doubles. He is too short of Oscar Robertson's, uh, career record. Uh, Westbrook tonight had 29, 12 and 17 jesus um but so monday's performance uh, guarantees that westbrook will average a triple double in a season for the fourth time in his career uh, oscar robertson is the only other player to do this obviously he did it once in 1961 1962 so basically tyler russell westbrook he could not score record a rebound or an assist for the rest of the regular season, and he would still uphold that triple-double average. So, I mean, kudos 
to Russell Westbrook, he is one of the most fascinating talents I think I've ever gotten the pleasure to witness on a basketball court. And he is, I think, vastly, vastly underrated. His his one MVP doesn't do it justice. The man has averaged a triple-double for now four years in his NBA career. He did it three years in a row. And the only reason he didn't do it four years in a row, Tyler, was because he went and played with James Harden. Let's be real here. Like, it's, it's yeah, he's, crazy. He's the, he's the king when it comes to triple-doubles, no doubt about it. Undisputed, I feel like. Yo, for sure it's undisputed. Even if he hasn't even if he hasn't passed Oscar yet, he will. Um, and even if he didn't, he'd still be the king in my eyes. One of the best players ever, one of the best point guards ever. Um, gets a lot of disrespect because of the way he plays. Uh, but he makes every single basketball team he plays on better. Uh, he's never the reason why they're losing, in my opinion. His teams have uh, a winning he, record every time that, that he's gotten a triple double. You can't you can't um you can't take away his effort. Uh, you know, I know that, you know, sometimes shooters, sometimes volume scores, they feel like they're losing you the game because they're going to shoot through slumps. Um, and he's one of those guys for sure. He just hasn't had the opportunity to, or he just hasn't gotten it done as far as winning a championship. If he wins a championship, you know, people are putting him way, way, way up there. But he's definitely a disrespected talent in the NBA. And one of my all-time favorite players, just a, just a fun player to watch. Yeah, without a doubt. And, I mean, you said his effort, Tyler. Russell Westbrook, he is on 10 every second. He goes 100 miles an hour no matter what. And I think, honestly, he is one of the last NBA players that truly embodies that Mamba mentality spirit on the basketball court. He's also one of the few players, I, I'd say, outside of maybe Rondo. He's one of the, the you know, old school us against me, us against the world mentality. He, I put Dame not, in that conversation too. Who? Damian Lillard. He's not trying to dap people up. Dame, Dame is definitely in that role. You know, he's not, a, he's not trying to make friends out here. He's trying to kill you. One of my favorite Russell quotes is he doesn't have – friends on the court his only friend on the court is the ball yeah and and you can <laughs> and you can tell and that's an old mentality you know people used to people want you know all these old head want want that kind of mentality and, and you get it out of him yeah he hates the team he's playing yeah every every night yeah and then now obviously the second player that uh i was mentioning uh before we talked about russell westbrook is obviously none other than Carmelo Anthony. He moved into 10th place on the NBA's all-time scoring list, passing Elvin Hayes on Monday night in Portland's loss to Atlanta. Uh, Carmelo had 14 points off the bench, and I'm trying to see. Oh, he won. The the Blazers beat the Cavs tonight, so how much? He had 16 points, so that's a total of 30 points uh, total. So what's 27,000? 318, 27,318 plus 16. Total for Carmelo Anthony's career now after tonight's win over the Cleveland Cavaliers, Tyler. Carmelo Anthony has scored 27,334 points for his career. He is less than 100 points away from tying Moses Malone 
for ninth on the all-time scoring list. So, I mean, I just, like Russell Westbrook, I just want to take this time to appreciate Carmelo Anthony for the, the Hall of Fame player that he is. So many people tried to take this moment away from him and the fact that he has continued to prove those people wrong since being back in the league has got to be the sweetest revenge for him and knowing that he will probably retire, not with a ring, but while sitting in the top 10 all time in terms of points scored in the NBA, that's got to be a pretty good feeling for Carmelo Anthony, especially after everything that he's been through and, and almost being blackballed out of the league for, for basically no reason whatsoever. And so, I mean, Carmelo Anthony, yeah. one, of, one of the greatest players the NBA has ever seen, without no. a doubt, one of the greatest players of this generation it it it's he he stamped his his ticket to Naismith uh, to the Naismith Hall of Fame a long time ago in my opinion at least no for sure he's he's first ballot he's a real deal love mellow watched his whole ride he gets a bad he he he's in that he's arguably the most disrespected player in NBA history um he gets put into this clump with Iverson and and, and Charles, uh, these guys that like get labeled not being able to get it done. Uh, similar to Russell, it's just, it's ridiculous. It's a, uh, it's a team sport, it's not an individual sport. Uh, they can't win it by themselves and they did a pretty fucking good job by themselves. Uh, Melo should feel good about his career. It was unfortunate that they tried to end it sooner. I saw a lot of Allen Iverson's career uh, in Mellows, as far as like the ending, you know, I thought he was going to end it quicker than he should. Uh, and luckily he didn't. Um, and he's a winner, man. I, I, I still don't care. He's got gold medals. He's got national championship. Uh, Arguably because, the best player in U.S. Team USA history. And and just uh, um, got to be a top 10 scorer of all time to go along with his record. Nobody can take it away. He's one of the best offensive players to ever, ever lace him up. Yep, without a doubt. So stay, me stay mellow. Stay mellow. And yeah, no, Tyler, you said that you thought that he might hang it up uh, a lot quicker once he once he made his return. I I also was probably on that same page. I thought when he made that return, he was probably going to call it quits right after that season, just because he was like, "All right, I came back, I did it." Uh, no, I, I well, proved everybody I wrong. With with the Iverson comparison, it was like I thought he was going to be done um, with like Oklahoma City and then Houston. It I was got just you. I got like, you. It was just like, oh no, he's turning into this guy that the good teams don't want him because they don't have the shots or the spot in the starting lineup, and he doesn't want to go to the bad teams. Right. Um, right. Not or 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 the teams that would like like him. Right. There luckily, was the narrative luckily, that he wasn't willing to change his role and all of that and. and and I never thought I would see a Carmelo Anthony in Portland, you know, signing as a free agent, but he wanted to play and he wanted to get back out there and prove himself so bad that he did take that sacrifice that Allen Iverson didn't take. Um, and his career is extended for it. Yeah. And I mean, it's worked out well in Portland for him. He's, he's a solid fit for them alongside Damon it's CJ coming fit. off the bench. Yep. Yep. But all right, you got any, I mean, we basically did two shout-outs uh, to, to Russell and Carmelo already, I know, but you got any yeah. other shout-outs before we get out of here? Um, we're going to go ahead and shout-out Seattle Seahawks, DK Metcalf, uh, going to test his medal in the track and field. 
um, with the hopes of eyeing the Olympics in the 100 meter dash. So he's got a he's got a track event lined up, and um, it, it'll be interesting to see a football player kind of go after this because I think so often we wonder, you know. Uh, but at the same time, I think uh, you're stepping into somebody else's sport, which is always going to be incredibly difficult. Um, tracks, Olympic track speed is is the best speed in the world. So yeah, and, and and it's not as simple as running in a straight line. He's incredibly fast and gifted, and, and it wouldn't surprise me if he did well. But I don't see him, you know, meddling or anything like that, or or let alone getting there. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't even think the race he's run, like the race he's running in. I think qualifies him for the Olympic qualifier, so it doesn't. Yeah, this is not a, this is not a qualifier. That's why I said like he's eyeing the Olympics down the road. Um, he's going to enter a track meet, but this is not a qualifier. But he's working towards it, and he, I mean, he's going to have burners, and it could open the door for some other guys. Um, but ultimately, man, those the the track stars across the world that they're they're gonna want to embarrass him <laughs> yeah but i mean hey if you go look back at that video of him chasing down buddha baker i think he's got a chance he does he he for sure has a chance i just i'm always skeptical when athletes step into another sport yeah no i mean that, you're right to be skeptical but it it's going to be very fascinating to see what his speed it'll looks be fun like without it'll pads kind of put it, and it'll put an end to a conversation that's been had you know yeah. People are kind of always wondering, like, man, could this guy do it, you know? Yeah, totally. So, all right, I'm going to shout out uh, Lonzo Ball from the New Orleans Pelicans for having his second 30-point game in three games. He had 33 points, 11 rebounds, and eight assists in an overtime win against the Timberwolves last Saturday and then had 33 points, six rebounds, four assists in a win over the Golden State Warriors last night. He also hit the shot that put the nail in the coffin for the Pelicans over the Warriors so that was awesome to see another baby Laker doing well in the league and making progress. And, of course, everybody knows our love for the Ball family here on the TSK show. So a shout-out to Lonzo Ball for, for balling out, man. He's balling right now, and you love to see it. I hope he's you know really finding his form, finding yes. his stride. Yes, and LaMelo, he came back from injury, so it's it's, it's been nice to see him back out there as well. Hopefully see those two on the court together wearing the same uni someday. Hopefully soon. Hopefully soon. But all right, with that, that wraps up this episode of the Sports Kingdom show. For Tyler Pachelke, I am Eric, the Duke of Sports Sklar. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, the iHeartRadio app, or wherever you decide to listen to the Sports Kingdom show so you can stay up to date on the newest episodes of the show. Don't forget to follow at TSK Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Follow us at the Duke of Sports and at Tyler Pachelke. We appreciate you all so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next episode of the TSK Show. Peace.